Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Landlord and Tenant Podmess, the only podcast that has the balls to ask the question, can a landlord and tenant be buddies? Hi, everybody. I'm Landlord James. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm your other host. My name is Tenant Michael. And James, I have to um, sort of scold you here because you began this episode saying welcome to another episode of of our show and this is not just another episode of our show it's not a garden variety episode of this podcast because today this is our 200th episode right i mean is that a big milestone is it 200 you don't maybe yes. it is i don't know i, I was I feel like a thousand. Now that's a big one, or well, even a hundred. But two hundred. I agree with you there. A thousand is quite a milestone. But it's true what they say: you never forget your two hundredth uh, episode recording. And I, I have, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll never forget this. I'm feeling good. I'm looking good. Uh, you're looking good too. And uh, I just wanted to say congratulations to us for making it this far uh, in a world that uh, had no confidence in us. Well, I guess you're right, Mike. I mean, um, we 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 proved all the critics wrong when we yeah. started up this podcast. There was a lot of chatter out there. These guys mm-hmm. don't. These guys can't pull this off. A podcast yeah. about a landlord and tenant that will never that <laughs> yeah. will never make them millionaires. Well, we proved it'll- you friggin' wrong, guys. <laughs> they said it'll never find a mass audience, and well, look who's laughing now. And also, I'd like to point out we've outlived. Most of the naysayers, you know, that's I, true. Now that you mention it, that I one a, guy fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy that, took more than one uh, reviewer took his own life. Yeah, um, I think an astronaut so, yeah. or an asteroid hit at one guy. Yeah, it was very freaky. A guy wrote a very negative review of our first few episodes, and a couple months later, it got squished by a damn asteroid. So you know, <clears throat> was it uh, was it uh, the man upstairs looking out for us? Who can say? Well, um, it's hard to say you're right, but here we are. Mm-hmm. We're in <clears throat> Michael's apartment mm-hmm. and, um, Mike, I, I didn't even really think about how it was our 200th episode at all, but you yeah. clearly have because we're in your apartment right now and it is decked out. There's a big yeah. sign pinned up to the wall saying happy 200th, yeah. um, balloons everywhere, streamers, Balloons, streamers. We've got some funny hats. I'm wearing some silly glasses. And I'm not wearing a funny hat or silly glasses, just for the record. I'm also just wearing shorts and a uh, undershirt because it's very hot in here because the AC broke, which is not very festive for a 200th uh, episode. And it's also created some problems because I... I'm the caterer of this episode, and I thought it'd be fun if for number 200, I made some snacks for us, and I went ahead, I guess I'm heat mad, because it's very hot in Toronto right now, I went ahead and made 200 deviled eggs, one per episode that we have released. Yeah, it's friggin' sick. What were you yeah, thinking? You can really smell the eggs yes. in Yes. Like, I, I appreciate that you're making this big deal here, but... I can't describe to our listeners the the feeling of coming into a hot, gross mm-hmm. apartment, and there, uh, laid out on a platter, 
are mm-hmm. 200 deviled eggs. 200 of the finest looking deviled eggs you ever did see. It's hot in here. There's eggs everywhere. And you can really smell all of the ingredients. You can smell the eggs. You can smell the sour cream, the dill, the mustard, the mayo, the paprika. And it's, you know, it's a pl- if you're an egg lover, this apartment's the place to be. I've already had about uh, 10 eggs so far. And I, I plan to have at least that many more uh, within the next hour. Oh, God. Have you noticed that over the past few months, maybe six months or so, we often uh, find ourselves talking about eggs? Yeah. What's up with that? We've got eggs in the brain. Eggs in the brain. Is this, uh, is it like religious symbolism or, I mean. I don't know. But it does make us stand out in the uh, fiercely competitive world of comedy podcasts in Canada. That is true. You know, that's a great point. I mean, egg enthusiasts, you know, they're going to be scrolling through their Apple podcasts and they're going to go, hmm, who's on Stop Podcasting Yourself today? Huh, Paul Mm -hmm. F. Tompkins? Meh. Oh, look, Landlord Tenant Podmas. They did an episode where they talked a lot about eggs. Oh, I'll download that one. You know what I mean? That's (laughs) like, that's that's what's probably happening. So. Absolutely. Did, did you ever, as a as a kid in school, did you did you ever go on a class trip to a farm? I uh, yeah yeah I did. Did you see like a chicken laying a, a damn egg, or did you just get to milk a cow or something <laughs> like that? You know, I've never seen a chicken lay an egg. I I I feel like it wouldn't be very sexy to see. Um, well, I don't. I wasn't implying. I've it never really be. thought about yeah. it. I mean, I guess it does yeah. come out of their ass. Right but I, I I have seen I have actually milked a cow at one of these trips. Oh, Farmer James! Yep, I'm picturing you in overalls and chewing on a piece of hay, and you know, covered in dirt and with all sorts of backwards ideas in your head, like just like a real farmer. Well, I was trying to, you know, I was a young guy, and I'm, I'm trying to impress a girl in class, you know. So mm-hmm. as a gag, I grab the cow's udder, mm-hmm. like one of the little things i know what you mean and i (laughs) and i held it in my fist and then i i sort of went to a girl like hey look over here and then i kind of pretended i was doing a blowjob to the udder oh yeah it didn't uh didn't work but it's kind of it is kind of a funny flirt idea i think right because they do kind of look like a bunch of penises but yeah in reality it's more it's it's actually a breast um, like mother, mother nature, you never cease to amaze us. You've made a breast that looks like many penises. We yeah. tip our cap to you. Mike, yep. have you, have you ever heard of the video game farming simulator? Uh, no, I haven't. Is it good? <laughs> I can only imagine it isn't, but it is popular. People buy this game and uh, called farming simulator. And from what I understand, it's not kind of like a cartoony action-filled, silly farm. It's like a very realistic (laughs) farming simulator with like sort of basic graphics and like you have to truly farm like like a real farmer. Because I'm interested in what you mentioned earlier, a game that's called like Silly Farm. Like I'd love to play Mm. a a game called Silly Farm where (laughs) you're like a farmer who's a little bit kooky and you kind of make a mess and you, I don't know, try and breed like a... I don't know, a, a cow with a goat or something insane. And mm. you, 
I don't know, grow weird vegetables. That that kind of thing seems more fun than a than a very dour, realistic farm simulator. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Mike, because you're so not a video game person. I know you in an, in a million years would never, ever, ever record yourself playing like farming simulator, but I would watch that because it, you would, you would detest it so much. You I might be it, surprised because I used be to funny. be a video game whiz as a, as a kid. And maybe I just need to find the right game to, to get my groove back. <sighs> well, yeah, maybe, um, Maybe, you know what, maybe a sort of one of these uh, anime hentai pornographic kind of games could sort of get the fires going again. You'll get lured in by being attracted to these cartoon ladies. And then here's what could get me. Here's what could get me playing this farm simulator game. If the farmer that you're, you know, in that that you're playing as was none other than Leisure Suit Larry. (laughs) He sells his Miami condo or whatever. He moves to rural arkansas and he becomes a son of the soil and he's tilling the fields he's uh planting stuff imagine if in like early 1980s japan the people at mm-hmm. nintendo were like okay we're gonna make our big game here this is gonna launch the nintendo entertainment system our options for the main character we've got this game all laid out there's these little question mm-hmm. mark boxes there's these little goombas and koopas we just got to make the perfect <laughs> main character here's our options a, we could go with a little Italian plumber called Mario. Mm-hmm. Not bad. B, we go with a horny 40-year-old uh, American guy called Leisure Suit Larry. And imagine <laughs> the original Mario Brothers was a little Leisure Suit Larry hopping around. That would have changed history, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, would have made the world totally different because instead of having this like yeah, this Italian guy shooting fireballs and mm-hmm. you know uh, wearing a frog suit occasionally. You'd have this real sleaze guy. He'd be having guy. sex with a with a Koopa. Yes. He, yeah. He, instead of jumping on the Koopa and kicking the shell, he'd probably. I hate to say it. He'd be jumping on the Koopa to have sex with the Koopa. He'd be he'd be jumping on the Koopa to have sex with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he would. <laughs> And he he he'd probably be he'd be too horny to to get into a you know like a go kart like in Mario Kart. Yeah, he he'd mm-hmm. be too erect, and you know if he crashed a bit, he'd hurt himself. Well, you know, imagine leisure leisure suit Larry trying to get down one of those big green pipes. He he wouldn't be able to because oh his erection would bonk yeah. on the edge of the pipe when he's trying to go down, yeah. and be go bonk 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 ah. And here's it. a nightmare scenario. So Leisure Suit Larry, he's fully erect. He's found he finds himself stuck in one of those green pipes, right? Mm. And then over the weeks we see him just wither away and then finally he dies of starvation because he's stuck in this pipe for so long mm. and maybe in his final moments he maybe he writes his last will and testament, you know, he etches it into the the wall of the pipe or maybe he has a pen and paper, maybe he writes, you know, his his regrets and his wishes for, you know, how they dispose of his body. So that's like, so in original Mario brothers, the end of the game is Mario, like gets King Koopa and gets the princess. And in the leisure, leisure suit, Larry version, he just dies in a pipe. And the ending is him writing his will on a pipe. Well, yeah, because he's stuck in the pipe, you see. And so you have to uh, help him write the ultimate message. You get, you know, you get points for, you know, how how eloquent the message is and, you know. 
So you have to like with the old Nintendo controller, like a, a little keyboard pops up and you have to kind of select yeah. the letters you want to type. <laughs> and then I guess, I mean, I don't know how the the suicide note or whatever, the uh, the the will would be reviewed. Yeah. So I guess you'd almost have to like hook your Nintendo up to a printer, print out the note, mail it yeah. to Japan. So someone in Japan and, and Nintendo yeah. could read it and then give you a grade and then send the grade. Yeah, you'd have to print out the note and mail it to Japan. It's that's you know, a video game. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm just thinking of you know how they made that Super Mario Brothers movie in the nineties starring Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo? Absolutely. Imagine if Bob Hoskins had played Leisure Suit Larry in in a version <laughs> of that movie. Oh, it's easy to imagine. Very He's got quite vibe. a different build from from the Leisure Suit Larry we know and love. Because Leisure Suit Larry's quite tall and lanky, whereas Bob oh, Hoskins Is he tall? I imagine Leisure Suit Larry as a short little guy. Okay. I'm Maybe Luigi is tall. And Le- Luigi a is a tall, smaller. skinny yeah. guy. Yeah, leisure, mm-hmm. leisure. I'm having trouble saying the word leisure. Having trouble. Yeah, yeah. Leisure suit Larry is um, not particularly tall, but you're right. He's he's somewhat lanky. Mm-hmm. Why is he so horny? I mean, is there a backstory to explain this? I think he suffers from PTSD. I bel- I'm a little foggy on this, but I think he had witnessed a uh, horrific crime as a young uh, boy that sort of confused his sexuality and he just became very uh, <laughs> horny very right? horny yeah oh god um so because of the occasion of our 200th episode i um i have a little surprise for you james i uh i didn't oh. i didn't say anything and i hope i didn't give it away by acting you know suspiciously or strangely uh recently but i managed to get a special audio message from a certain someone that's going to really knock your socks off. And uh, it's, you know, in honor of our 200th episode. So here it is, a special anniversary message for me and you. This is Ground Control to James and Mike. You've done 200 eps. Wow. And the papers all want to say congratulations. Well, hey, James and Michael, this is Commander Chris Hadfield, the famous spaceman. I know everything about space. I just wanted to say, hey, guys, congrats on episode 200. It's quite an achievement, really. I mean, is it as impressive as being the first Canadian to be a space mission specialist, operate the Canadarm in orbit, do a spacewalk, and command the International Space Station in English and Russian? No way, Jose. But it's still something to be proud of. So here's to 200 more episodes of your wonderful show. By the way, uh, be sure to check out my masterclass tutorials about becoming a spaceman. Pick up my books, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth, What Going to Space Taught Me About Ingenuity, Determination, and Being Prepared. The other one is You Are Here, Around the World in 92 Minutes, Photographs from the International Space Station. And then my most recent book is The Darkest Dark. You can also buy my album Space Sessions, Songs from a Tin Can, and check out my website, chrishatfield.ca, to buy shirts and Legos and all sorts of fun products that are about me and all the things I've done uh, relating to space. Okay, so here's to 200 more episodes. Uh, Take your protein pills and put your earphones on. This is Ground Control. I've been to space. Whew. 
Huh. That's right, Commander Chris Hatfield himself. I I won't tell you how I managed that, but uh, I did. And uh, what a beautiful, heartwarming message from uh, from Commander. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess that's sort of an interesting guest, celebrity guest. I don't know. Sort of. The guy's he's got a mustache, and he's he speaks Russian. He's been to darn space. He uh, owns a guitar. He's a typical Canadian celeb. It's sort of interesting, but at the same time, you think, I could have run into this guy at Loblaws. I mean, it's not that big a mm. get. I'm sorry, it's not. Yeah, if you're going to uh, Loblaws on the darn moon, maybe, because he's he's intergalactic. Well, look, I um, I actually went ahead and booked my own celebrity guest to call in oh. and wish us a happy 200th episode. And, really? Uh, yeah, Mike. And I hate to say it, but it kind of makes your celebrity guests seem like uh, a pile of junk. I'm sorry. No offense to Commander Chris. Great guy. It's just uh, not the same star power. So why don't, why don't I go ahead and play the celebrity guest I booked? Uh, okay. Hi, my name is Robert O'Neill. I was a Navy SEAL in the United States Army from 1996 to 2012. I am perhaps best known as being the man who shot and killed Osama bin Laden. I'm calling today because I'd like to wish the Landlord and Tenant podcast a happy 200th episode. Um, you guys are doing great, and uh, from what I hear, you're, you're killing it. Uh, to be honest, it, it actually kind of reminds me of how I killed bin Laden that day. Night vision goggles, laser-guided sniper, boom. 5.56 millimeter bullet point blank range. Bye bye, Ben Laden. Three shots, two standing, one on the ground. Um, it's crazy to me that you guys have done this 200 times. I mean, I only killed Ben Laden once, and that was extremely intense. I watched a man's head blow up. It was like a big, gross pinata broke open. Yeah. An eyeball bounced right off my damn head. I can still feel it when I close my eyes. Anyway, uh, congrats, Mike and James, and uh, big congrats to everyone at Sonar. Oh. Thank you, sir. We thank you for your service. Right. Well, I mean, he is a different type of celebrity uh, than Commander Chris Hadfield. And I guess I'm thankful for what he did. I mean, I'm not, I'd just like to make it clear. I, I'm glad we don't live in a world where Osama bin Laden is still at large, you know, heaven forbid. I don't want that, (laughs) but it's kind of a gruesome, a gruesome story to hear on such a a nice day, you know, on such a nice occasion. And, uh, like, don't be such a damn wimp. Do you know how much public, like, do you know what a big guest this is? People are going to be yeah. talking about it at the water cooler. Like, do you have any idea how famous Osama bin Laden was? And this guy took him down. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. It is huge. I, I'll, I'll give, you know, you got to hand it to him. That, that That's huge. But yeah, again, it's kind of, it casts a violent shadow over, over today's episode. A necessarily violent shadow. I'd like to just add once more, I don't support anything Osama bin Laden did. Uh, especially, you know, founding Al-Qaeda and 9-11 and all the other, um, you know, embassy bombings from the, in the 90s. You know, there were plenty of warnings that something big was on the way leading up to September 11th. And it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling that the United States security services missed it, you know? Um, 
if I had been back there, I would have been, you know, ringing the alarm bells, you know, 24-7 saying, guys, get on top of this. Something, Something's in the works. Can I chime in? Mm-hmm. Have you, are you familiar with the expression, he doth protest too much? Uh, yeah. Because I, I'm looking at what you're saying right now, and I'm going, I'm sorry, this guy has a really strange problem with the with Robert O'Neill, the Navy SEAL who killed Osama bin Laden. And I'm no, starting to go and no. I'm starting to think, does no. Mike have a problem with Osama bin Laden? Does Mike like Osama bin Laden no. and support what he was standing for? That's what I'm thinking right now, based on your reaction to that celebrity call. No, 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 no. I'll say it for the third and final time. Uh, me, no likey Osama bin Laden. I don't, <laughs> I don't support anything he did, you know? Um, and you know, Robert O'Neill cheers to him, but you know, I, I'd rather hang out with someone fun like Chris Hatfield who plays guitar, teaches students how to brush their teeth and use the toilet in space, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Let me throw this at you. Let's say Osama bin Laden led a charge to put bike lanes in every Toronto street. What would you think about him then? I mean... What kind of dimension are we in? What kind of universe is this where Osama bin Laden, one of the biggest terrorists on the planet, is suddenly getting in, you know, rolling up his sleeves and getting involved in, you know, municipal Toronto politics on a specific issue like bike lanes? It just I just don't see that happening. I know what yeah, but I know what it would have been. You would have gone, "Well, it's too bad about the whole 9/11 thing, well, but the bike lanes are very well, important." Yes, hypothetically you're right. I would support the idea I'm getting all confused. Okay, we got you. We got you. Clip that. Please, listeners, clip that MP3. Blast it on the internet because we friggin' got you, Mike. I always knew you were one of these far-left Al-Qaeda supporters. No. And now we have proof. Listen, only I I will only support the Bin Laden bike lanes as long as they don't you know how they pay you know they pave bike lanes sometimes with like arrows or like dotted lines. Mm -hmm. As long as we check and double check to make sure they don't paint the Al-Qaeda logo on, on the bike lanes. Cause that's, that's not appropriate. I don't think I know the Al-Qaeda logo and I'm, and I, it's, you know, it's is it striking. like, a, is it like a sports team logo or let me look it up here? Not, not really. Um, it's probably it's, not. Hmm. Yeah. I'm looking it up. Well, I can't it's find it. Famous. But. It's up there with the Coca-Cola logo and okay. like the, or the Blue Jays, uh, the Blue Jays logo. Yes. Yeah. Great but logo. much, much more grave. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Anyway, that was well, that was fun, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That was fine. Um 200, 200 episodes. Wow. Well, you know, to celebrate um this 200th episode, we have a we have a, a classic guest coming up, but yeah. Before we get to this wonderful guest, uh Mike, we should let our listeners know that we have a Patreon account. If you go to patreon.com slash landlord tenant, it is your opportunity to help financially support this show. If you do, we love you. If you don't, we love you. We, we love you regardless. But I'd like to uh, announce a call to arms. We would like you to donate $200 today in honor of our 200th episode. If we can get, I don't know, 30 people to each donate $200, then we'd really be rocking. I mean, I think that's a bit of a, a bit much of an ask. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, That'd be six thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, I, hey, I think if, we deserve if, it. If it yeah. happens, great. But I, 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 that yeah. might be stretching a little bit. But, anyway. um, but I like your initiative, Mike. You know, good for you. 
Um, Thank you, sir. And if you do give to the Patreon, you get a bonus episode every month. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if you don't, don't worry. But you could like, rate, and subscribe to uh, to the podcast. That would be great. Do all those things and uh, ensure that the show keeps running for another 200 episodes. Feels like 200 years. Mm-hmm. And welcome back to this historic 200th episode of the Landlord and Tenant Pod Mess. This week's guest needs no introduction. You're on. Just joking. I'm going to give you an introduction. But he, he, this this week's guest's been on the show many times. He's an actor, writer, comedian. He's a darn he's a darn podcaster on the Sonar Network too. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a big welcome to Mr. Chris Locke. That's yes. the song I sing to you if you're uh, down on the dock with me and the full moon <laughs> is shining overhead and I put my arm around you. I love that. You know, Chris, that almost <clears throat> sounded to me like Imagine Dragons or one of these yeah. current um, rock bands that do a lot of whoa, whoa, woes. Yeah. It reminded me, it reminded me of doo-wop, you know, when the fellas used to stand on the street corner and one guy would be going, oh, and the other guy would be going like, yeah. ooh, wee. Yes. We love you so goddamn much. (laughs) Baby, we love you so goddamn much. Give us a goddamn kiss. Yeah, because Mike, the doo wop thing is a bit more more chipper and like, ooh, I love you. Whereas what Chris was doing sounded more to me like um, gnomes in a mine in a mountain or something. That's cool. I feel, well, you know what? Part of my heritage is gnomes. Are you fucking kidding me? No. <laughs> so I think that I have gnome blood in me. And so, yeah, anytime I see kind of like gnome cartoons or something like that, like, yeah, I don't know. Well, it makes me kind of proud and makes me kind of remember like, ah, I should be more proud of my heritage, et cetera, et cetera. You, you know, know, I heard about gnomes. Hey, they might be small <laughs> in height, but if, you know what? You don't think they're small when you see what they're packing down fucking stairs. You know what I mean? <laughs> that sounded like James Corden until you swore. <laughs> Can gnomes you do... Have, gnomes have big uh, honkers. Yeah. And they put them between their legs and up their back and then put their hats over the top. Yeah. That's why those hats are shaped like that. That's why people put them in the garden to protect the uh, the garden. Because if if a you know a robber or a thief is coming through and they see a little a little guy with a big old penis, they're, gonna, they're not going to rob that house. Sometimes snakes try to come and eat your vegetables, and then the gnome goes, "That's not a snake. That's a snake," <laughs> and shows the snake his giant wang. And the snake goes, "I've got to get out of here." <laughs> yeah, sucks. <laughs> I feel inadequate. <laughs> Do you guys think that when, you know how <laughs> Tolkien, like in the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings books, mm. like the the gnomes and the little people have like all these songs? Like <laughs> They're hobbits, like, Michael. You don't have to get PC about hobbits. They're <laughs> hobbits. The little people, they, they have all these songs where they're always like mm-hmm. singing at banquets and stuff. Do you think before he put them in the books, though, do you think J.R.R. Tolkien sat down with like 
an acoustic guitar and like wrote <laughs> wrote complete songs and then just put the lyrics in the book? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. damn, we should. It would have been cool to hear the original record, <laughs> vinyl of J.R. Tolkien's yeah <laughs> Hobbit songs. I think he had little sk- skits in between the songs too. <laughs> where um, one of I the. Ha- hmm. I have these. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Like, um, like anyways. in hip hop, Gandalf um, is like he's a pimp and he's yelling at his <laughs> at a, a sex worker that he controls, and then um, you know that kind of thing. Or or maybe Frodo is smoking drugs and he yeah he gets high. You know yeah. Hey Frodo, can I have a hit of that? Sure. Um. <laughs> hey, before we go any farther, um, we have a bit of an announcement to make. That's right, and uh, it's a little bit fun. It's a little bit funky. Um, we uh, we've decided uh, to to do a suicide pact, all three of us. No, that's the announcement. <laughs> You're doing that on your own. Um, you might remember, folks, that uh, we put out on Twitter a little while ago uh, a poll uh, asking the listeners which podcast idea Mike, Chris, and I should do because the three of us have been talking that we should do our own our own fun podcast, and we put two ideas up there. Evil men and help were trapped in a dungeon. And uh, we got hundreds of votes and we got all these people <laughs> telling us which pilot they preferred. So the, Chris, Mike, and I, we got together. We thought about it. We talked about the feedback and we decided that we're going to do Evil Men. Man. That's our choice. Um, mm, so, that's uh, right. We've always wanted to do a podcast together <laughs> and we thought, well, well, let's just go with Evil Men. <laughs> so, <laughs> folks... If you enjoy the three of us having this fun banter together, please yeah. head over to your podcast app and subscribe to Evil Men, and there will be, uh, I believe, two episodes coming out June 30th, and there's a little introduction episode now, so please, yeah. if you enjoy us, head over uh, to uh, wherever you get your podcasts and download Evil Men. You uh, you won't regret it. We've got all sorts of great episodes uh, coming your way soon. Yes. Oh, and the premise of it is Mike and Chris and I joke around about a different mm-hmm. horrible person each episode. Yeah. Probably should have mentioned that earlier, but yeah, it's harder than you so, think to sell yourself. Yeah. So let James, Mike, and I tickle your <laughs> eardrums with our <laughs> funny little chats about evil men. Oh, should I talk now, like that for the rest of the podcast? Now I'm getting horny. It's very relaxing. It is relaxing and and uh, alluring. Hey, that just gave me an idea for a skit. Imagine you're uh, you're arrested, right? And then you're, they take you to a dungeon somewhere, and they're like, the interrogator's mm-hmm. coming. And you're like, oh, shit, oh, shit. And then a guy walks into the room to interrogate you. Who is it but Barry White? Oh. Oh, that'd be sexy. Yeah. Y- you wouldn't be able to lie because you'd be so <laughs> sucked in by his beautiful voice. Yeah. Usually in interrogations... Um, the cops give the uh, the perp like a little styrofoam cup full of coffee, mm. but but Barry White would give you like a flagon of red wine, <laughs> <laughs> and he dimmed the lights a little yeah. bit and light a candle, and maybe there'd be some incense around while he asks you like, "What do you know about these fifteen you know dead yeah. bodies or whatever?" Yeah. Do you guys Did you think- kill and mutilate 15 of those dead bodies? 
And suddenly you get a boner because yeah. his voice is so nice. <laughs> Mike, I was just going to say. Barry White, you have to get someone in here to have sex with me right now. I'll tell you everything, I swear. <laughs> okay, Cheryl. Um, <laughs> Cheryl. <laughs> it's the secretary. Yeah. Um, and then Cheryl, Cheryl looks at the camera and goes, I got to get a new job. <laughs> Cheryl. <laughs> Do you think Barry uh, White ever couldn't get it up? I mean, I think that's why he took his own life. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking, he didn't do that. Um, I now let's think about that. You know, he's he he was the personification of getting it on. Yeah. Yet I imagine from the size of him, and you know, I imagine I, I don't know this for sure, but let's say he had some health problems. Um, because of his diet, maybe, maybe he maybe he did suffer in the bedroom. Maybe he did have ED. You know, where are you getting his health problems from? Was he ill? Well, he was a very large guy. Yeah, I just, was he, he had large? high blood pressure. What you thought, Barry White was a little skinny guy? James, get out of here! Can't I'm believe I'm podcasting up. with you. He had <laughs> kidney failure due to chronic diabetes, mellitus, and high blood pressure. See, boy, oh boy. so imagine him. He's suffering. His his blood pressure's all high, and he he's shaking from low or high blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And then a woman is like, "How come you can't? You know, how come you can't get hard?" And and he's like, <laughs> "Give me a break." I would honestly lose weight. Um, I, that, losing a boner would help me lose weight more, to be honest. But now you guys know that I still get boners. <laughs> why? Oh? Why would not getting <laughs> boners? <laughs> why would that help you uh, lose weight? Because I would want to get boners again. Because oh, I feel yeah. like if you lose weight, you, some of your health problems go away. And then... Do you remember uh, the beginning of Conan the Barbarian film with Arnold Schwarzenegger when they steal Conan as a child and the explanation for how he got such a ripped, muscular, pit-fighting warrior's body is because they made him push this giant wooden lever to, I guess it was like a water pump or something, or energy some pump or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is push, funny because they cut the through... energy t- pump. <laughs> we need more energy. <laughs> that sounds like something from Conan lore, eh? The energy pump. We need it for, to light our castle. Um, no, I don't know, but like they do this like sort of like jump cuts to him getting older and bigger as he pushes this what is it like a lever or a wooden wheel um and yeah his boner gets bigger and bigger and stronger (laughs) the more he pushes it anyways (laughs) thank you to all of the lovely female listeners uh for coming with me on that tangent (laughs) i'm sure it was lovely I've never seen Conan the Barbarian or Conan. Was it no, no? Hercules New York was that? You think of Conan O'Brien, Mike? Imagine if if Arnold Schwarzenegger had hosted Late Night with Conan (laughs) O'Brien. No, but the uh, wasn't Schwarzenegger's first American movie like uh, Hercules in New York? I haven't seen that. Hmm. Should I see it? I don't know, but he has a small part which you have seen in the Long Goodbye, the Robert Altman film with Elliot Gould where he plays a bodyguard for a mafia guy, and he takes off most of his clothes down to his underwear for some reason. 
And, and like, it's barely explained why he does it. It's but he, just to show off his body, obviously, for the producers <laughs> of the film. But he, I'm looking. Uh, sorry, I don't think he has a line. I think the guy just yells at him for being stupid. I'm looking up <laughs> pics of Arnold from Conan. That's from the 70s. His body is crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah, James. James, get ready. This guy, he, he's pretty fit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I heard he was fit. But this guy take makes fit. I mean, he's taking it to a whole new level. Have you seen, wow? It's a fitness freak. Clearly, did you? you I got just seen... the guy to play Hercules and Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> the first guy that the studio wanted for like we're making a Conan the Barbarian film. Uh, get me Walter Matthau, and then they screen tested him, and it's like, oh, I'm shoe. I'm not. In sh- I'm not in good enough shape. And then they got like uh, I don't know. Uh, Kirk Douglas and he was too old and then they're like yeah. why don't we try thinking outside the box here they tried friggin Arnold yeah don't you don't you think if you had sex with Arnold you he'd take off his shirt and you'd be like um yeah so just so you know when I take off my shirt it's not gonna look quite like that yeah what do you think be, yeah I mean this guy it's crazy um yeah, the weird thing is, is um, my wife and I play Conan the Barbarian at night before <laughs> bed. <laughs> and, uh, anyway. You do role playing of Conan. <laughs> yeah, You're but both the roles Conan? might not be the, assigned to the people that you might think. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I've been deliciously beaten to near death in my own bed uh by a barbarian yeah and it's it's pretty fun apparently in the running for conan the barbarian before they cast schwarzenegger was either it was between ryan o'neill and jack nicholson (laughs) (laughs) i can just picture jack you know great actor real unique you know way of delivering lines i can just picture him as yeah. conan being like let's don't make yeah. me get my sword out <laughs> i need yeah. to get my axe sharpened <laughs> the guy says he wants to trap my spirit in a necklace um <laughs> hey, i don't know fuck, what happens fuck, in that movie uh, fuck this uh, fighting monster shit <laughs> when can i go to a fucking lakers game <laughs> <laughs> I'm the Joker. <laughs> Conan, starring Jack Nicholson. I'm the Joker. <laughs> I heard the Joker was also supposed to play the Terminator originally. You're right. Yeah, originally the Joker was going to be Conan. The Joker was going to be the Terminator. The Joker was going to be... It was uh, going to be Jack Nicholson as the Joker was running for all of Schwarzenegger's films in the 80s. Yeah. Kindergarten cop. Yeah. Wait till they get a load of me, the Terminator. <laughs> hey, kid, it's not a tumor. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Predator. Where do you get all those wonderful toys? <laughs> I I actually really want to watch those films now. Jack Nicholson as the Joker in all of the hit Schwarzeneggies. I just watched um what's it called? Uh a porno. I just watched a porno with Jack Nicholson. No, what's the one where uh the last Here's your detail. bed. Here's your bed just before doing this. <laughs> those are the old timey springs of your bed no that's not true <laughs> listeners um i just watched the last detail 
with Nikki Jack Nicholson. And so good. It's amazing. So good. But it's so depressing. And uh, I think Schwarzenegger would have, if he had played the Jack Nicholson role, he would have made it more fun. There would have been more action sequences and there would have been like better music and stuff like that. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Hmm. Check this out. Trivia for all the people mm. listening. The scene where they're cooking the hot dogs in the freezing cold. Yeah. Shot in High Park, Toronto, right across from where I live. Right. And uh, that means that Hal Ashby, Jack Nicholson, all those guys were standing right across from where I lived at in the, like 1974 or something. Holy Sorry, shit. I mi- Mike, what movie is this? I missed it for a second. It's the, last the Last Detail. detail. Oh, oh, 1973, they made it with Hal Ashby. Yeah. yeah, Otis Young, Randy Quaid, Jack Nicholson, and Hal Ashby all stood basically where the playground is where I take my girls now and yeah. film that scene where they're cooking hot dogs in the freezing cold and then uh, Randy Quaid tries to escape. Do you think that they, you know, in the evening when you know, the day was done shooting, you think they hung out in Bloor West Village or around High Park? Do you think they went to the Lithuanian Community Center there on Dundas Street West? Yeah, probably. I mean, there wasn't much. Toronto wasn't as popping as much in the 70s, as you know. That was during the mass exodus of the Anglos from the Montreal. So, <laughs> That's so right. they, were st- they were still filling up Toronto at that time. So it hadn't become the hot urban center that it is at that point. So I feel like they either went to the Lithuanian And you could actually get a freaking parking spot. (laughs) Yeah, you could park anywhere you wanted. Uh, Hot dogs were 25 cents. Yeah, That's when people complain like, oh, you know, Toronto in the old days. But then when you see pictures of Toronto in the 70s, it's just parking lots. It's not like it was beautiful at one point. No, it was really empty. It was was mostly that giant train station. No, Toronto until 1999 was just a city full of just like guys in jean jackets passed out in the back of pickup trucks. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and like lake ontario is it's so funny we always complain about how humid it is it's because the the edge of lake ontario that we are on is fully swampy so yeah. it's it's mm. kind of like this weird swamp land where we're like trying to turn the beach into a real beach and stuff but <laughs> we're, it's so humid and muggy here and like frogs are jumping all across the street Come on, Toronto, let's go down and have some fun in the swamp. <laughs> you know, uh, I was right down. Uh, right Jesse down. Barfield just hit a home run and the ball's going, going <laughs> right into the swamp. Oh, the creature from the swamp has swallowed the ball. <laughs> <laughs> Find me love. Whoa, the creature spoke. Did you guys ever see that Oliver Stone, um, Colin Farrell like movie about the formation of the United States? Uh, what the fuck was it called? But like it, because uh, DC really, really was a swamp. Like they drained it all yeah. in some giant thing. Whoa, and I went to DC Trump a couple years right. ago, and it was very, very humid. Um, ah. In DC, yes, very humid. Like uh, beyond what, Toronto, even I would say. Can I ask you what brought you to Washington DC? It's very interesting. Well, I'm si- I'm I'm sick of. Did the- you storm the Capitol, James? <laughs> well, let's just say I'm sick of the politics here. I'm sick of the universal health care. I love Can- when Canadian celebs suddenly uh, really cuck themselves and have nothing to do with Canada anymore, and they move to the states and say how great it is. And I wanted to follow mm-hmm. their path, but 
I, uh, <laughs> due to some legal issues, I couldn't do it. But uh, okay. yes, a few years ago, I went to DC for a few days and um, it was wonderful. It's really cool. All the museums are free. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can go to all these museums. And, is it as uh, corrupt as they say, though? When you were in DC, <laughs> did you notice that it was as corrupt as they say? Absolutely. I went into a hot dog stand, and you got to pay one guy to hold the bun, one guy to squirt the ketchup on it, one guy to put the relish on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Damn it. But it is a swamp. I've been there as well. It is as swampy as you say. Uh, a lot of people don't see this in all these beautiful postcards and aerial uh, shots of DC from all the action flicks where. Uh, you know, really buff security guards have to take the president underground while the White House explodes or whatever. <laughs> but what a lot of people don't see in those films and on those beautiful postcards are uh, the, the, the swamp that is Washington, D.C. is full of pussy willows. <laughs> huh. Wow. That's and long nice, reeds. Long reeds and... Uh, you don't yeah. Want to, yeah, they don't really you don't I don't associate Washington DC with with pussy willows at all. It's all pussy willows, long reeds and uh yeah, sort of like uh toads hopping everywhere. Do you think a swamp creature is sort of welcome into the White House? Like do you think Lincoln or, you know, Reagan or the Kennedys ever like um just left the door open or left some food out for a swamp creature just to like to hang out with, sort of like blow off some steam when things got too intense. Yeah. Chris, do you want to handle this one? Well, let me ask you this. I'll answer your question with another question. Okay. Swamp creatures are so goddamn disgusting. Can you even tell when they're taking a shit? Oh that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Can you even tell whether they're taking a shit <laughs> And that yeah. was Chris Locke with his diss of the day here on Q107. Tune in every Friday at 520 when we give the diss of the day. Taking oh. a shit, 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 shit. And we, uh, the phone lines are lighting up on, uh, on line six. We have, uh, it says Swamp Creature. Hello, Swamp Creature on the air. I shit normally. (laughs) (laughs) Dial tone, bitch. (laughs) Uh. uh, Talking of swamp creatures makes me think of that Toxic Avenger movie. Did you guys ever watch that? Yes. I I watched that as a kid, and all I really remember is clearly some sort of, um, like, some sort of sexual thing I saw as a kid that stayed in my head was, do you remember there's a scene where the toxic Avenger is kind of like confused and sitting on a chair and some woman is really horny for him and kind of sort of has sex with him and he doesn't really realize, do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. And like, are they in a, is she blind and they live in a tent by the swamp or something? That could be it. Or it lives in like, yeah, a makeshift cat. Like I didn't know what was made. going on as a kid. I think she was blind. That's what it is. So okay, because she was blind, her hands couldn't even feel how gooey and disfigured he was. <laughs> That's actually kind of disturbing. I, I, I just remembered it as like, why is this lady doing this to the Toxic Avenger? But now I realize she didn't know he was a goo man. She just liked his personality. Can I well, say this, honey? Honey, aim a little higher. You know, <laughs> you don't need to have sex with the swamp creature. You got three non-swamp creatures right here. All right, let us take care of you. <laughs> you know what? Toronto is on Swampland. Shouldn't they change? You know how the Toronto flag is like... I don't know if that's true, Mike. Is it on Swampland? 
Well, by the by, the lake it is, isn't it? Okay, fair. That's what, that's what Chris just said, and I'm I'm taking his word. You're going for it. with it. Let me check. You I kind of killed your talking. little idea there, so I apologize. Well, I was going to say they should my change the municipal flag is like a weird cross or something for Toronto. Mm-hmm. They should ditch that and make a new cool version of a Toronto flag, where it's just a, a you know a creature, a swamp creature rising from a puddle. And he's just sort of shitting himself, and he's like uh, holding his hands out, going like, "Ah, you know what I mean." I mean, uh, my dedication to the truth—I'm struggling with the idea that that I don't even know if we're on swampland. I found this. Okay, historically, the southern Ontario landscape featured an abundance of wetlands. The Toronto area alone has lost more than eighty-five percent of its original wetlands. But so I guess it's a lot of wetlands. Now we're okay. wondering, is wetlands and swamp the same thing? Uh, maybe. There's wow. a swamp mountain biking trail in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> There's a UFT article here. Please don't call it a food swamp, UFT expert. What are yeah. you talking about? Swamps are wetlands where standing or gently moving waters occur seasonally or persist for long periods, leaving the subsurface continuously waterlogged. The water may also be present as a subsurface flow of mineralized water. Oh, damn! Is that... Wetland is a land that is covered mostly with water, with occasional marshy and soggy areas, while swamp is a piece of wet, spongy <laughs> land, low ground, saturated with water, soft, <laughs> wet ground, which may have a growth of certain kinds of trees, but is unfit for agricultural or pastoral purposes. You're listening to Swamp Talk in the Morning with Derringer on Q107. Put your hands up if you're proud to live in Toronto and love its soft, wet land. (laughs) Back in the swamp. I'll take a dump. (laughs) I'm all alone. I'm glad to beat Forrest Gump. Life Imagine Forrest like Gump's a box of chocolates, like that sample was put into the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would love a Forrest Gump uh, talk sang like Brian Johnson from ACDC in the movie. Back you in know? black, but the, hit the sack. <laughs> Here's the thing about ACDC. Bon Scott, the original singer, who I love because he was an insane party animal, yeah. His high screeching voice sounded natural, right? It sounded like a guy at a bar being like, fuck this, let's party, let's get out of here. Yeah. But Brian Johnson seems like a really kind of mellow, straight edgy kind of guy who just like imitates this high shrill thing. And it's it doesn't, the songs, it doesn't put the songs over for me as much as Bon Scott. I, I've tr- like, if I tried to imitate Brian Johnson right now, I could do it for two seconds, then my voice would be fucked for yeah. like a week. I have no idea how he sings like that for decades. That's It's truly impressive, even though it sounds terrible. <laughs> there was a slight era in like the early 70s where every man who wanted to be a rock and roll singer, I guess thought, oh, Robert Plant is who I want to be. Mm, I want to become yeah. Robert Plant. And But Brian Johnson doesn't have the... He doesn't have the kick-ass party vibe no. as Bon Scott or he's Robert not, Plant or something. It, it seems yeah. like he 
put this affectation on his voice and yeah how the hell does he do it well, and maintain yeah. it he's not like a tanned god like robert plant was he looks like like a british super mario <laughs> <laughs> back in black <clears throat> i'm gonna try <clears throat> yeah back oh imagine you woke up butt naked hung over Okay. Done. Next, Done. Next, yeah, next to a guy, and he goes like this. You shook me all night long. <laughs> and you're like, ha yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, like you open your eyes, and you're just kind of waking from your slumber, and this weird Australian guy with long hair is like right nose to nose with you, and he's already awake. And, and you can't see his eyes. He's like one of those dogs where the bangs go in front of his eyes, but it's like a woolen cap. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? So Brian Johnson, ACDC fired him at the end of a tour yeah, because he was going deaf. Like he went deaf very quickly. Oh. And so he couldn't sing anymore. And even though he had, you know, been in this band for decades, the young brothers or whatever were just like you're out of the band mate and they just fired him and and left mm-hmm. him on his own and then a doctor like an ear doctor reached out to him who designed specific hearing aids to help brian johnson be able to sing again an acdc fanatic doctor i might be a doctor during the daytime but at night yeah i listen to bad music <laughs> Yeah, honey, you've been in the basement for hours. It's 2 a.m. Come to bed. You have an early day tomorrow. What are you working on down there? I'm working on special uh, hearing aids for just in case Brian Johnson goes deaf. (laughs) I'm working on... (laughs) Like he didn't know beforehand, right? (laughs) Honey, I'll be up there soon. Just the world needs once again to be able to hear someone go... (laughs) (laughs) She was a fast machine! (laughs) She came to motor claims. She was the best damn woman I've ever seen. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. We got to do a cop drama where it's uh, Brian Johnson and Barry White uh, investigating okay. crimes together. Let's let's do it. <clears throat> okay, Barry. What do you see? <laughs> I see a mutilated leg sticking out of a garbage can. That's a crazy leg that I'd like to touch. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I'd like to touch that leg too and pull it out of the garbage can. Ooh, I'm just a <laughs> passerby, but I heard that irresistible voice and also uh, some screeching, and I thought I'd stop by and see what's. Oh my god, that's a mutilated leg sticking out of a garbage can. Mutilated <laughs> leg, you got me all wound up. <laughs> Can't get enough of your love, baby. It's true, he can't! (laughs) Hello, I'm Chris Locke. I'm James Hartnett. And I'm Michael Balazzo. And we're the hosts of comedy podcast Evil Men. It's a podcast where comedians, us... Joke around about different bad guys, rude dudes, and sometimes murderers. Yeah, we might talk about a horrible person like Jeffrey Dahmer. A depraved maniac from ancient Rome like Caligula. Or even sometimes a mean cartoon character like Gargamel. Because the things he did to the Smurfs 
we're just awful. Yeah, we talk about all these things, but most of the time we're joking, you understand? We're comedians. We're foolish by nature. Subscribe to us now so you can be sure to get our first episodes coming out June 30th. (gasps) Oh my god, that's the devil's birthday. Catch us on the Sonar Network and download us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Chris, before we started recording, you you were in a bit of a a blue mood because you said that um, you reached a milestone today where um, you sort of realized that you had outgrown something that you once loved. I think it might be true. I've, for years, <clears throat> Toronto has such a good range of um, Indian cuisine restaurants. So many. Scattered all over from Scarborough to Etobicoke. Yeah, but like, I got addicted over 10 years ago to the delicious, heavy, calorie-dense, salty Indian treat called the roti, where they take a, a wrap mm-hmm. and... Uh, Are we talking they, roti cuisine of India on DuPont? There's that, and then yeah. I ordered uh, from another place. that I don't want to call say their names, because they're great restaurants. Mm. And they've given me so much joy. But I think myself, personally, physically, my body is rejecting it now. It's too rich for me. And Mm. I don't finish it, obviously, because it's heavy food. But it's a wrap with, like, you can get chicken vindaloo in it or madras or sag paneer or chana masala. You name it. A yellow curry doll. Mm, doesn't that make your mouth water, guys? I I admit I'm getting a little hungry hearing you name all those famous ingredients. But I feel like I can eat it. Maybe it's the roti wrap, which is, makes it the hardest. Because they put ghee butter on top of those, too. And they're already so calorie-dense aside. like I think it might not be Indian food, but I think it's the actual roti that really hurts my stomach, and I can't do it anymore. I, yeah, it could be. Could I'm really be. sad about it. So everybody listening... I'm not dissing. I'm really sad about it. Maybe you need to become like um, you need to be. You should become like remodel yourself as a sort of Mr. Miyagi figure and find a young kid that you can mentor and teach him how to eat rotis. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the kid like beats this real jerk at eating rotis like in a contest at the end of the story. <laughs> yeah, and he and he <clears throat> kicks him. <laughs> Ow, what the hell? <laughs> they, you know what? They, filming Karate Kid, they, I, I found this out because I go on IMDb trivia all the time. Okay. They edited out of that movie five over 500 uh, sound bites of kids going, ow! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? There were so many Ralph Macchio saying, ow! Yeah. Shit. <clears throat> you know, uh, I Johnny, watched... what's Johnny says, ow? Yeah, I watched Cobra Kai, mm-hmm. the um, sort of present, you know, the present day Karate Kid, whatever, and M- Ralph Macchio's in it, yeah. and it really is evident that he's he's doing something weird with his hair, and if you've watched it and you're listening, I think you know what I'm talking about. Like, he looks the same. He still looks like a child, mm-hmm. yeah. and he has the same face and the same hair, and, and you <clears throat> gradually realize there's a hair piece going on, or like something's up. Because Plugs. it's God. something. It's it's uh, it's too perfect. His last hit movie was My Cousin Vinny, right? 
He was in my Oh my god, right. He was the he was the guy who Vinny was his cousin, right? He was yeah. Vinny's cousin. Mm-hmm. Damn. But he's that not, was still the nineties, right? Oh yeah, not, his hair I'm looking he's at not pictures grading. now. Look up Ralph Macchio hair season three. I guarantee you you'll see something. He's not really great in Cobra Kai. The guy, the guy who plays no. Johnny is amazing. I know. And you know what? Johnny was in another movie I saw recently as a as a bully. Um, damn, I gotta look it up. I totally forgot. Okay, Hair Season 3. Yeah, and I think you'll see what I'm talking about. I mean, I oh, think... Oh, there's a movie called Back to School with where Rodney Dangerfield, Dangerfield goes back to school and Johnny plays a kind of preppy bully kid there. Oh, yeah. Oh, See, so yeah. how Ralph Macchio's hair is here now is yeah. kind of like what my hair was like when I was 25. Yeah. Another uh, People listening that you haven't met me yet or seen me, I'm fat and bald. So <laughs> you are, I, I would not say you're fat. And uh, so, Well, I got a big yeah. belly. And I started losing my hair when I was like 20. So, yeah, Ralph Macchio... Now, in his 40s at least, or late 40s, probably 50, he's getting what I got at 25. I think he's like 60. I think you're right, Mike. Um, oh, right. So maybe he was way older during Karate Kid, even? <clears throat> he was like way so, yeah. older. He was like 26. Mount Ralph mm. Macchio's 59. Holy and shit. That's if you disgusting. watch Cobra Kai, he looks like he's 20, sort of, but also 80. Is he like an old kid where it's like at yes. a certain angle he looks young, but then if you get a good close look, he's his yeah. face is all cracked. Well, sort of, sort of. You know what I've I've always you know they <clears throat> that thing happens to young kids in Hollywood that become stars, and then they kind of their growth gets a bit stunted, uh, and then they kind of keep their kid face, but just like wrinkles slowly like form around it, and like the skin gets yellow a bit but you know what i mean they still got like a kid's face mm-hmm. i've often thought like that's got to be an unconscious sort of like defense mechanism that starts affecting you biology biologically because you survived as a kid by being cute to af right mm-hmm. right and then all of a sudden like people are forgetting about you they're not even looking at you they're not adoring you they're not even they're noticing you and then your body is like transform into still being a kid, you know, to like <laughs> s- still like save any of that defense mechanism that kept you alive at that time. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. I saw a TikTok the other day of the redheaded mm. chubby kid from the Sandlot. Oh yeah, remember oh. that guy? Yeah. He looks the s- exact friggin' same. He looks yeah. the same. Really? It happens to yes. all of them. It's crazy. So he. He he didn't go through puberty, or no? He he was a castrato, apparently. <laughs> Part of his deal when he signed on to act and star in the Sandlot was that his parents had to sign over his balls, and they yeah they cut yep. them off on set. And, yep, uh, and things are a lot better in Hollywood now, though. Remember when they first started doing the Little Rascals show? The way they treated them, they threw them in the garbage when their contract was up. <laughs> 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 they threw them in garbage bins outside the studio, and. That's a wrap, everybody. Okay, throw the kids in the garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Spanky, you're not looking too cute. (laughs) Cute it up or it's the garbage can for you. (laughs) (laughs) They acted at gunpoint. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I have a guy with a huge smoking cigar and a shotgun just aimed in a director's (laughs) chair aimed at them. 
Now talk like uh, you know an idiot. <laughs> Were they supposed to be? <laughs> talk like an idiot, or I'll kill you. <laughs> talk like a kid, or I'll blow your fucking head off. You think I'm joking? Now, were the little rascals, was the premise that they were all orphans, like it was during the the Great Depression, was the idea that their parents had all starved to death and they banded together to like, for safety? <laughs> Is that what was going on? Um, yeah, I don't know what the hell that was. They were definitely feral kids, like cooking eggs on a hot tire. Like, I don't know. It was weird. Like, remember that kid who's like, froggy or something he'd be like the only family i got is a this dog <laughs> like yeah they were really weird james do you know the little rascals at all uh not really not really no. i mean i've i've seen clips i think mm-hmm. but i don't think i've ever w- really watched the little rascals well no we didn't oh. no you're not that much you know younger than us <laughs> they, well the i rascals, am actually mike they weren't but, you know anyway current when, when chris and i were kids just just to mm-hmm. point that out to the audience well i I do remember, though, as a kid, Entertainment Tonight had a sad expose uh, once about, like, we've tracked down the actor who played Alfalfa as a kid with Little Rascals, and now he's a now he's impoverished, and he works as a grocery store checkout clerk. And he was like this 87-year-old man who had been Alfalfa as a kid, and then showed him, like, slowly bagging <laughs> groceries, and it was... It was awful. That's sad. <laughs> Your laughter is very strange because that's truly tragic. Because <laughs> they had sad music playing and they would show like, he was so cute as a kid, but now he's old and bagging groceries. Hey, you're a rascal. Huh? You recognize me? Recognize you? I just think the way you're bagging my groceries is like how a rascal would do it. <laughs> <laughs> Or the rascals, the but, Canadian But then he got stabbed player. or something, right? Alfalfa died from getting, like, stabbed or something. He did? Yeah. Oh, God. He was murdered. I didn't what know. He had an awful life then. Yeah. That's a bummer. Um, Want me to see? Alfalfa sure. sprouts? While you're Please looking do. it up, um, that reminds me of that Cosby Show guy who was also working at a grocery store. Yeah. But then maybe he, he got cool, a career though. boost because he, Elden. you know... People yeah. were kind of like, hey, that's okay. Yeah, that was cool. He was nice. He was nice. You know what? He wasn't alive in the 80s or 90s, Mike. He died in 1959. It must have been a different Little Rascal. Maybe it was like Alfalfa 2 or something. It was someone from the Little Rascals for sure. Oh, yeah. But look at, listen to this. Uh, in the midst of his <clears throat> legal and financial woes, Switzer, that's his uh, last name. Uh, his name was Carl Alfalfa Switzer. Agreed to train a hunting dog, a treeing walk- walker coonhound, for Moses Samuel Bud Stilts, a longtime friend and sometimes business partner, whom he'd met while working with Roy Rogers on various productions at the Corriganville Movie Ranch. While in Switzer's possession, the dog ran off to chase after a bear, and Stilts was unsympathetic towards Switzer firm in his demands that the former child star either return his dog or pay him the equivalent of the dog's value. Unable to produce cash to settle the debt, Switzer took out ads in newspapers and put up flyers offering a reward for the safe return of the animal, and eventually it was located and brought to the bar where Switzer was working at the time. So he was the dog handler and worked at a bar. The rescuer was rewarded with $35 in cash 
and fifteen dollars in alcoholic beverages, the equivalent <laughs> of about four hundred and fifty in twenty twenty. <laughs> The loss of his $50 didn't sit well with Switzer, and during an emotional conversation with his friend, Jack Piot, a 37-year-old unit still photographer that took place a few days later, the two decided that Stilts should reimburse Switzer the finder's fee as the dog was Stilts's and not Switzer's. The two arrived at Stilts... Oh, my God, this goes on forever. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's building up. I'll put some some uh, thrilling music beneath it. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually getting confused because I'm trying to read it clearly, and then... Wait, what the hell's going on with this so dog? So Switzer Anyways. is alfalfa. Sw- yeah, Switzer is alfalfa okay. and still seems like the unreasonable dog owner. <laughs> the two arrived at Stilts' home in Mission Hills at 10400 Columbus Avenue at the home Stilts shared with his wife Rita Corrigan and his stepchildren to demand money of Stilts. Though differing accounts of the event exist, all agree that Stilts was struck over the left side of his head with a glass clock and later retreated to his room to retrieve a thirty-eight caliber revolver, which, Swi- <laughs> which Switzer wrestled him for. So this is Alfalfa wrestling a guy for a thirty-eight caliber after trying to, like, knock him out to get his money back. Causing the gun to discharge and almost shot Tom Corrigan, Stilts' 14-year-old stepson. Stilts' account of the event was of self-defense, testifying that Switzer had banged on his front door yelling, Let me in or I'll kick... Like, how does that Alfalfa's voice go? Let me in or I'll kick in the door. <laughs> um, the threat was followed by a struggle that began with one of the men. Switzer or Piet striking Stilts with the clock, prompting him to retrieve his firearm, which Switzer grabbed for. The gun discharged accidentally, almost shooting Corrigan, after which Switzer, according to Stilts, threatened him with a knife and yelled, I'm going to kill you. Stilts fired and shot Switzer in the groin, <laughs> damaging an artery that caused massive internal bleeding. And Switzer was dead when he arrived at the hospital. <laughs> Wait, Alfalfa, Alfalfa died? died by getting shot in the dick. <laughs> we were far off from the fate of the little rascals. <laughs> shot through the dick. <laughs> You're to blame. You're to blame. You yeah. make shooting in the dick a bad name. <laughs> It's amazing, though. We learned that Alfalfa <clears throat> died from being shot in the dick. I had no idea until just now that that was uh, what happened. You know that spike in the middle of his hair? Yeah. After he got shot in the dick, that was the first time it ever collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like James is actually sad for Alfalfa during all of this. I mean, I'm a bit sad. I'm sad, I really too, but it's d- I really insane. don't know the little rascals in any yeah. way. So uh, Have you Googled a picture purview. of Alfalfa, at least? <laughs> I think I know he's the guy with the part hair parted in the middle of his head. Yeah, and he's yeah. got the like big thing, big piece of hair sticking up in the middle. And it's so, funny, he died, he died through physical comedy, you know? Well, I guess yeah. that's true. Bling. You're right. What was your favorite cartoon as a little, little kid, James? Oh, like, great question. Um, ooh, I remember liking the show Eek the Cat. Remember that? I like that one, too. I thought it had yeah. genuine humor. Hey, Annabelle! Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, oh, what else did I... I like the Beetlejuice cartoon. Oh, yeah. It was yeah, different, though. cartoon. It was different than the movie, though, because Lydia and Beetlejuice were best pals in it. But in the yeah, movie... Yeah, he was good in this one. They need to get rid of Beetlejuice. He's bad news in the movie. Yeah. Hmm. There was a Police Academy cartoon, too, I liked. Holy crap. I yeah, forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Do you remember the um, the cartoon 
cops? It was like C period. Yes. Fighting crime in the future time. I Long don't arm. like remembering that. And yeah. Yeah, I was mainframe. <laughs> I think there was a bad guy called Berserker or something. Yeah. So Police Academy showed the police being like silly and like you know, I guess they were both like propaganda in their own way, but like Police Academy showed them being like dunderheaded, whereas Cops <laughs> was basically like a fascist children's cartoon yeah. that showed how cool you and know, powerful the cops were. The cops were amazing. You're definitely right. I should re we should rewatch <laughs> the cartoon Cops because in retrospect, I loved it as a kid, but in retrospect, you're definitely right. I remember there was an episode of Cops for kids. Where they were taking down drug dealers, but like drugs in the future were like a little chip you could put on your arm. And one of the bad guys like fell in a barrel of these chips and he was overdosing. It was very heavy for little kids. Was that the one that had the like the big, was it Big Boss Man? He was like the main Yes! Big Boss Man, you're right. Yeah. He was heavy set. We grew up in a very hardcore conservative cartoon era <laughs> and i was also talking to um my wife recently about how like after the auteur like artsy era of the 70s with like you know um like altman and scorsese and coppola and all these guys blowing up and having like free reign and then the guy who the director who did what's his name michael whatever who did deer hunter then he kind of ruined that, like that wave of like just artsy auteurs, like ruling everything. And, uh, you know, because Heaven's Gate was like the most expensive movie and then it bombed really hard and basically bankrupted United Artists, which I think was started <clears throat> like at the beginning of Hollywood by like Chaplin and Douglas Fairbanks and all these guys. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that's the story. I might be wrong. But, anyways. It's so funny because that's, we still all, like, people that love films and want to make films still go back to the, that 70s heyday a lot for research. But then after that, at, when we were tiny little kids, I was a little <laughs> kid in the 80s, everything became like the movie, every movie was like, show me boobs and show me huge muscle guys blowing everyone away with guns. And it was like Commando, <laughs> Rambo, like what we were talking about at the beginning. It was like... Yeah. It was just like spring break dudes trying to get laid to, with bikini girls and macho guys blowing everyone away with guns. It was just like, and it was like this weird sort of like, yeah, utopian sort of like, yeah, cocaine haze that we lived in. Um, but it was totally, it, it had that like, I don't know how to explain it. But yeah, cops is like the end result of that type of thing. Like cartoons for kids where it's just like, yeah, you want to be the strongest man ever and you want to be able to blow bad guys away. <laughs> Is that too much of a digression? I don't know. No. I feel like I it know. kind of like teed up how the 80s just turned into this weird, you know? Was Pee Wee's Big Adventure propaganda? It was uh, pro being a weird little guy propaganda. So they would like, Pee Wee's Big Adventure would, you know, um, take our defenses out by being like look we're making stuff to cater to you uh scrawny little ding-dongs who like you know camp <laughs> culture and all <laughs> kinds of yeah all kinds of like <laughs> you know you like being like weird and outsider and silly and then they showed you police academy where it's like and you can be that guy <laughs> and still train to be an awesome cop <laughs> 
You can be a little weirdo eccentric and still have a license to kill. <laughs> yeah. Blow away perps. Uh, nameless, faceless perps who are just wearing like... Yeah, jean jackets with the sleeves cut off and bandanas around their dirty face. <laughs> that was like every criminal in the 80s. I absolutely think that for the 2020s, you could be the new Michael Winslow. There's not even a question in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Like, it's it's about time. Just go back to Michael Winslow. Imagine it because he was famous <laughs> as the, the sound effects making cop in the Police Academy movies. If that character were real, like imagine, you know, a lot of cops, let's mm-hmm. be honest here, a lot of them get into trouble. They, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. they push their authority a little too hard. They injure people because they think they can get away with it. Imagine mm-hmm. if a cop injured someone, heaven forbid, killed someone, and then there yeah. was like an expose on this cop. And then you learned as the media sort of, uh, sort of told you everything about this cop, you found out that he was known around the precinct for making uh, funny noises all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah like uh yeah has the officer said anything about why he uh put six bullets in that man who had a swiss army knife he just keeps making helicopter noises (laughs) sir how do you plead for the charge of uh, (laughs) multiple homicide officer how do you plead Uh, sir, we we know that's you doing that. We don't think there's a helicopter here or anything. We know we can see you making the sound effect. This is a <laughs> I call a recess. This trial is suspended for a few minutes until J- the Jimi Hendrix concert is over. <laughs> no, no, Your Honor, the the police officer is doing that. It's not really Jimi Hendrix. What? Well, he sounded just like Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> I know, he's very good at this. <laughs> We're Drop willing to cut weapon. a deal with you. <laughs> Drop your weapon. What is that cop doing? <laughs> Drop your weapon. You know, like he always ta- <laughs> pretended like he was talking to the walkie-talkie. Yeah. <laughs> Remember him in Spaceballs? He did that exact joke like, <laughs> and then uh, the yeah. commander's like, Put that, you know, microphone down. What did you say? And then he does it again. Yeah, that killed me. Yeah. Spaceballs, when I was a kid, had a huge laugh per capita. Oh, I, I, I think I have it mostly memorized. I watch it like 900 times from the ages of 12 to or eight, 9 to 12. What about, do you remember this? I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're all named me, asshole. Sir. Major asshole. Like, they're all their last name is really asshole. <laughs> Remember when he transported onto this ship and then his butt was in the front, like, trunk the other day? Why didn't anyone tell me my ass was so big? <laughs> Remember this, Chris? Um, what's, what's your name? Barf. Hey, not in here. This is a Mercedes. Yeah. No, that's my name. Barf. I'm a mog. Half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. Yeah, I definitely do. Remember when Pizza the Hut ate himself today? Yes. Mike, are you not knowing all these Spaceballs jokes? I, I, I definitely saw Spaceballs like a handful of times as a kid. I just I don't think I know it as well as you guys do. I'm, I'm perfectly willing to, to admit that. Remember, Chris, when they say, uh, are, you know, they tell them to comb the desert and then these yeah. guys have okay. giant combs? Yeah. Yep. 
So good. <laughs> Remember when they rewound the the actual movie Spaceballs and showed yes! Dark Helmet flying headfirst into the console ludicrous, again? On ludicrous speed. <laughs> yeah, and he's like embarrassed. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to watch it again. <laughs> uh, you know what's the last one? Remember in like late in the movie when Bill Pullman is working his way through the bad guys and he's fighting, I think, Dark Helmet. Yeah. And he slashes like a boom operator's like yeah. chest open and he bleeds uh, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys know that um, Mel Brooks produced the film The Elephant Man? Yeah. I did. And he's basically made uh, uh, David Lynch a star. Yeah. Isn't the, that crazy? The avant-garde side of of Mel Brooks that really we never does not about. You really would not guess that from you know Robin Hood Men in Tights or <laughs> High Anxiety or Think of how saddles. funny, potentially funny, the Elephant Man could have been. Yeah. It could have been Mel Brooks directed it. Yeah, it could have been set in Brooklyn in the forties. Yeah. And there was you know, some. Yeah, he could have been like so, this. I'm not an animal. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> He's eating beans. Uh-oh. You are an animal by the stench I'm getting from the uh, your cell his door. Oh god. I sort you of get it. Yeah. It was funny in uh Elephant Man when he what was the thing where he's like uh wanna try some little chickens? They're like chickens, but little. Remember that? In Elephant <laughs> Man? Wasn't it? Oh no, wait. I'm thinking of uh what's the first David Lynch movie? What did I say? A razor head. Oh, racer, right? Yeah, but didn't didn't Mel Brooks have something to do with? Oh, I might be, I might be fucking. I think he up. might have seen a racer head and then was like, "This guy's got it." But then, he called uh, up, he but called then up David Woody Lynch Allen. directed Dune, and you love that movie, David Lynch's version of Dune, right? But it was a huge flop. I do, but you love it because it's insane, right? Yeah, it's not good, yeah. but it's very funny. Yeah. I hear that he tried to convince David Lynch to add a scene in Dune where they're they're in the middle of like the desert and he wanted David Lynch to like suddenly that there would be like a deli in the middle of the desert and all the all the characters go in and they have some sandwiches and they you know they get a pickle and they all have a nice time uh, and sort of rest a bit before they continue. <laughs> yeah. Hey, can I get some chips on the side of this or what? Yeah, I can't believe I confused Elephant Man with Eraserhead, but I did. God it's okay. It. Eraserhead was the one that got him into the world. You're right. Mm-hmm. Guys, we know that Mel Brooks directed Spaceballs and wrote it, but imagine this. What if Spaceballs had been written by and directed by Mel Gibson? Oh. Ah, that'd be good. Well, they would all be in Aramaic. Yeah, and they'd be flying in a you know funny spaceship to see the crucifixion and resurrection of, of Christ. <laughs> what if Mel Brooks had directed Braveheart? You know that scene where they're all getting naked to fight the English? Mm-hmm. Um, there'd probably be a scene where he's like, "Whoa, I didn't know! What, I, look at what this guy's packing!" And they would all they would all yeah, know. that's true. Oh yeah, yeah, and he'd be like. Hey, I'm from Jersey. This is how we do it down there. <laughs> <laughs> I got a Jersey-style penis over here. When he's about to get his head chopped off, he'd go, Freedom! 
Or um, like right when his head falls into the basket or whatever, a fart would happen. <laughs> Remember when Leslie Nielsen started doing uh, non uh, Zucker Brothers movies and still trying to be a comedian and they were like absolute horrendous shit? <laughs> was that like Spy Hard? Was Spy Hard... Um, yeah, probably. One of those. And like, was it Spy Hard? Who, I thought he did like... Oh, maybe it was Spy Hard. Was Dracula you know exactly Dead and Loving he, It Mel Brooks? Yes. Mm. I never watched that one. Hmm. Sorry, James. No, no. Uh, uh, are you looking it up? <laughs> yes, you are right, Mike. Spy Hard. You know what we should do? We should watch as like a series late period Mel Brooks movies <laughs> like oh, yeah. Dracula uh, Dead, Loving It, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and like Life Stinks. Movies that like would that. definitely work for evil men. Cause, yeah. Uh, there was also a 1998 Leslie Nielsen movie called Wrongfully Accused that is clearly a uh, fugitive spoof. I remember seeing that, yeah. I don't remember that. I had outgrown Leslie Nielsen at that point. Yeah. And lo- I'm looking at images from it, and there's sp- spoofs of the Titanic, spoofs of Mission <laughs> Impossible, like lots of uh, action movie uh, jokes. Me- do you remember do you think- when Charlie Sheen and... and, and uh- Emilio Estevez became like spoof style yeah, actors. Yeah, hotshots. Hotshots. Um, par- loaded weapon. Hotshots part two and loaded weapon. Yeah. Yeah. There's some Hell good yeah. gags in those. Yeah, I liked hotshots as a kid. I Were remember those Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen said to a woman like, uh, "You know, I I can't fly anymore. I have my father's eyes." And then she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." And then he pulls out a little like glasses <laughs> case and he's got his father's eyeballs in there. Yeah. That's gruesome. That's a gruesome yeah, joke. It is, I mean, it's funny, but... My favorite funny. joke from Hot Shots is when he has the sex scene with the girl. So the next, it's the next morning, they're showing that it's the morning, and you see the paper boy throw the newspaper at the front door of his porch, of his house, and then you see the milkman come, and he throws milk bottles at the front door, <laughs> and it just smashes, <laughs> and milk goes everywhere. And I was like, as a kid, I was like, damn, that's genius. Well, Chris, thank you for joining us on uh, episode 200. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. It's always fun when you uh, stop by to talk. Congratulations on 200 episodes. Wow, I can't believe you did it. And I also can't believe that you're going to keep doing it forever and ever until one of you dies and then the other one can't carry on and do it without the other one. Oh, that means nice. a lot. Um, Chris... You have a very excellent, popular podcast yourself called Happy Good that everyone should check out. Yeah. And again, don't forget to subscribe to Evil Men at Evil Men Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And is there anything else, Chris, you wanted to mention or shout out or anything before you go? Hey, just, you know, check out my boys, Mike and James. They've been doing this for a long time, doing it as. Working hard day and night. Honestly, like I know these guys. These guys, a lot of you people listening, you don't see this the work that they put in behind the scenes. Uh, so you know, just something like that. Like subscribe to their Patreon, give them a few bucks every now and then for the hard work they do. And wherever you're listening to it right now, let's just give it up for the boys. Thanks. Thank you very much. That's very, very uh, nice. You guys do a lot of hard work, and it shows because the product is good, and that's what you want. Aw. Thanks a lot. Damn, Chris. Well, um, 
now that we're done our episode, what do you say, all three of us, get out of get out of our apartments and uh, let's go down to the swamp and uh, and uh, play some frisbee together. Yay! It's ten o'clock at night, but I don't see why that should stop us. <laughs> it's frisbee time somewhere. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 